I invite you to open up to 1 Timothy chapter 3. 1 Timothy chapter 3. And if you were to ask a, a deacon, so what do you do? Like what, what's your whole purpose of even having deacons in churches? Um, it's interesting that uh, you'll, you'll hear di- different things. I, I come from a fundamental Baptist background, and in the churches that we were in, if you would ask a deacon, so what do you do? The deacon would tell you this. The deacon would say, you know what I do? I spiritually oversee the church. Now, is that a deacon? No. We're going to see here in a moment. Now, this is where this gets fun. There's a guy that writes this book. It's a little book. I love little books. But this little book here is called Deacons by a Matt Shamehurst or Shermhurst. I don't know how to say his name well, but Shermhurst, whatever it is. And uh, what he does is he picks on these deacons. And he gives them names. This is kind of fun. Uh, now, if your name is this, it's not because we're picking on you or anything like that. This is just the names that he used. If you get mad, it's him that used these names, not me. But this is kind of fun. He uses the different names for deacons and different titles for deacons and different kind of deacons in churches that we see today. First, we have, we have the pastor in training Peter. Or we can call him the uh, pseudo-elder Steve. These are the ones that once they become the deacon, they rule the church. You don't mess with deacon Steve or deacon Peter. I mean, they rule it. They are the ones with a, with a heavy fist. Nothing happens. The deacons rule and the church drools. I mean, who cares? We call this the deacon-possessed churches. I mean, the church is just possessed by these guys. I mean, you don't mess around. Everything goes to the... They can care less what the congregation thinks. They can care less what the pastor thinks. They just, they're the ones that make the main decisions of the church. In fact, everything has to go between their board first before um, it goes before the church. And then who cares what the church says as long as the deacons are on board? Wow. There's churches like that. There's, I like this guy, Toolbox Terrence. Toolbox Terrence, he knows his way through Home Depot, amen? And he knows his way through Lowe's. And if anything breaks in the church, there's Toolbox Terrence. He fixes it up. He's a bing, bing, bing. I mean, the guy's got eight arms. I mean, anything that's broke, he's there fixing it up. And we say, wow, Toolbox Terrence. Man, he knows his way around Home Depot. He's got to be a great deacon. Problem is, does Toolbox Terrence know the Bible? That's pretty important. Who cares if he knows his way around Home Depot if he doesn't even know his way around the Bible? And so we get Toolbox Terrence. I like this next guy. Spreadsheet Sam. (laughs) And Corporate Cliff. He's the guy with the calculator. What do we want to do, Pastor? We'll figure it out. What do you want to do? You want to do that? Well... Numbers don't add up, Pastor. We can't do nothing. It's the numbers. You got to look at the numbers. This guy can handle the spreadsheet or corporate clip. You don't mess with corporate clip. I mean, I have a business. I got employees. I know how to run things. Just watch me. Uh, 
The church and a business are totally different on how we run. Christ is the head of the church. We live by faith, not by sight. But corporate cliff, I mean, you know, I mean, all oh, they got the business sense, so he's got to be a great deacon. This one, this next one, this last one, really picks on my kind of people because it's Italian. <laughs> we have the deacon Vito Vinny. <laughs> Let me tell you what Vito Vinny does. Every business meeting, Vito Vinny has to say something contrary. We can't do this. We can't do that. I'm going to keep the pastor humble. I'm not going to be no yes man. I'm going to make sure that the people see. I mean, if no other deacon's going to step up, Vito Vinny's going to step up. And Vito Vinny steps up and says, okay, all right, what do we want to do? No. Uh, Vito Vinny, why can't we do this? I just said no. Uh, do you have a reason why, Vito Vinny, we can't do it? No, I don't have a reason, but just don't do it. Uh, Vito Vinny, <laughs> you have a solution? No. I mean, Vito Vinny drives business, I mean, crazy. Because Vito Vinny ain't going to be no yes man, and Vito Vinny's going to tell people how the church should be run. Now, here's the problem with all this. The deacon's task is not to lead the church. The deacon's task is to serve the church. And we miss that. And somehow when they get into the position or the office of a deacon, they forget why they're there. And they start to do things that don't honor God. And sometimes churches, we look at all the wrong things to put people, including myself, all the wrong things of putting people in this place of leadership. So what are they? And what do they do? We're going to look right here in verses 8 to 10 today. I was going to go all the way to verse 13, but there is no way I'm going to make it to verse 13. I started this week thinking I was going to make it to verse 13, but today, don't worry, we're only going to go to verse 10. Next week, I'm going to split the church by talking about whether or not women can be deacons. And so we'll talk about that more. But i got to first ask Vito Vitti what he thinks. But anyway, uh, verse 8, I want you to notice how it starts off. As we study this out, deacons, the word there is diakonos, servant in the Greek. They are servants. In fact, this will blow your mind. Jesus Christ calls himself a servant. He says the son of man did not come to be served, the word deacon there, but to deacon, to serve other people. In fact, he says, which is interesting in Luke, he says this, who is the one that's more important? The one that sits at the table or the one that serves the table? Everyone's thinking, oh, the one that sits at the table. Yeah, it is the one that sits at the table, but I came to serve the table, he says. Jesus was a deacon. Now, in a general sense, deacons mean servants. And we all, by God's grace, we all want to be servants. And, and, and what we have to understand is that shepherds are servants. But not all servants are official shepherds. There's a difference. But he is going to say here in verse 8, he's going to use that word, and we can't miss it right after deacons, is likewise. So he's talking about not only just servants in general, but now the office of a deacon. Likewise, you have to understand some things here. Likewise, this is how he ought to be. Now, here's... Here's what's amazing. In verses 8 to 13, we don't see anything he needs to do. Wow. 
Wouldn't it be great if it said here in verse 8, he needs to, to cut the grass, he needs to uh, clean the church, he needs to wash the building, he needs to lock up the building. Wouldn't that be great? Because then we could say, hey, deacon, look what it says in verse 9. Do that. But it doesn't say any of that. What it says is what this deacon ought to be. And don't miss this. If the deacon is right before God and focuses on what he should be, guess what? He's going to do what God wants him to do. It starts with character. So in verse 8, he's going to say, not, not, not. This is what he ought not to be. Not, not, not. This is what he cannot be. And when you're looking at this in verse 8, we're going to see the general term. This is a man of dignity. This is somebody who we have respect for, who we want to follow. It's a man that you see as a servant that loves the Lord, wants to serve God's people, take care of God's people. And here he's a man that you want to follow. He's a man of dignity. But he's not, not, not these three things. And how is this person a man of dignity? Look at this here in verse 8, what he's not. He's not the first thing. Is he not a double-tongued person? You say, what is that? What's a double-tongued person? Here's a double-tongued person. Somebody that says something nice to your face about you. Oh, you're just a sweet person. And then goes to talk to somebody else. Hey, so-and-so is an idiot. You want to know what, you want to know what a double-tongued person is? A double-tongued person is someone that doesn't have the gall to say something to your face, but goes around and talks behind your back. A double-tongued person is somebody who says something, but then doesn't do it. So they don't, they, don't, they don't mean what they say. They don't say what they mean. They speak out of both sides of their mouth. They are people pleasers. They don't want to offend anybody. So they say one thing to one group, another thing to another group. I mean, it's just totally different. They are double-tongued. You never know what's going to come out of their mouth. You don't know what to believe. He says, they are not double-tongued. You say, how do you know if you're double-tongued or not? Look at this here. This is interesting. One guy says this. You wouldn't be scared if you had a family parrot to sell it to the town gossip. Did I ever tell you about my parrot? I had one that was a little overweight, and it died. Boy, that was a load off my shoulders. But anyway. No. No, don't use that one. Yeah, Trudy likes it, finally. First one in her life. But a double-tongued person, it's not like you need to shake their head. Do you promise? Are you going to do this? Are you sure? Promise me. Promise me. Because you've promised me so many things. And you don't do No, this person says it, and it gets done. He, he is a man of his word. He is credible. He is respectable. He is truthful. And what he speaks, he means. And when he says it, it will happen. He, he says it by God's wisdom, and he does it. He's not this double-tongued. He's not this insincere person. We've met too many of those where they tell you what you want to hear and yet they don't follow through on it. And then you find out from somebody else, hey, so-and-so just said this about you. Wait a minute. They told me to my face that I was this and now they're saying this. That is insincerity. That is a person that is not genuine. He says, not that. Look at the next thing. I like this. I, it's kind of like Paul plays a little joke here. Look at the next thing here. He's not what? He's not addicted to much wine. Now, don't miss this. And, and, and for, for an elder, in verse 3, it says he's not addicted to wine. 
Here in this verse, he says he, uh, a deacon is not addicted to much wine. In other words, he's given, he's given the opportunity for the deacon to drink. Somebody said this, you know why deacons are prone to drink here? Because the pastors sometimes cause them to drink. <laughs> Drive them crazy. Not much wine. Literally, the word they're addicted, this is interesting, means of devotion. They're devoted to the drink. I, I knew of a guy, I couldn't believe it, you would never know, came to church all the time, shook everyone's hands, was very lovely, everything. But every night, every night, he would grab a bottle of vodka, open it up, and drink himself to sleep. He turned devoted to a drink instead of being devoted to God. He says, this man is not that. This man is not somebody who speaks out of both sides of his mouth. This man is not somebody who is addicted to something that he needs to go to to relieve his heart rather than God. He can handle things. He's careful about his witness. He's careful about his work. And here's a very important thing that he's not in verse 8. He is not fond of sordid gain. In other words, he is not money hungry. It is not about money. He doesn't go after money. He's not, he's not obsessed with money. Life isn't about money and what they can make and what they can gain or the bad use of money. He doesn't cut corners with money, cheat on his taxes with money, mishandle money. You know why? You don't want a deacon doing that because deacons normally handle the money of the church. And if he's cutting corners at his own money, guess what he's going to do? Cut corners with the church's money too. I can't even make these stories up. There was a deacon in a church years ago that he would write a check, take the cash out of the offering, and write a check for the money that he took out. Give it to the church. Now, why did he do that? Because at the end of the year, he could say that he gave that much money to the church and get a tax break. A deacon. God help us. This person doesn't cut corners with money. This, this person is not obsessed with, with, with just money. He handles it well in his personal life and he handles it well also in the church's life. You say, but talk to me positive, Jeremy. He's not, not, not in verse 8. What does he do? Look at verse 9. Here's, here's something that he ought to do. And this is important. He holds to the mystery of the faith. In other words, this is a person who understands the gospel. Have you ever wondered in the Old Testament how God forgave sins? God forgave sins in the Old Testament. They had to keep doing what? Sacrificing. And every year they were reminded of their sins. Praise God that now he forgives sins through Jesus Christ. And a deacon needs to understand. Notice what it says here. And we all should understand this, not just deacons. Understand the mystery of the faith. The mystery isn't something that's still hidden. A mystery is something that was hidden in the past, but now we understand. The mystery of the faith is the gospel of the good news of Jesus Christ. The mystery of the faith is this. We know that we're sinners separated from God and our sin has caused separation. But Jesus came. He died for our sins. He was buried. He rose again. And all who put their trust in him will be saved. You need to know that. Why not? Why? Because when a deacon is helping people, he's not just wanting to help them physically. He wants to help them spiritually too and point them to Christ. He needs to know the message of the Bible. Now, so what if he knows it? 
but he doesn't live it. Look what it says. He needs to hold the mystery of faith with what? With a clear conscience. Now, now don't miss this. Because here's what happens. We get so good at telling people what they need to do that we forget to apply it to our own lives. You guys have seen the news this week. You've seen the pastor that they found that killed himself, that was a cross-dresser, that they found things that he was doing that he identified as trans in, in secret, and it all came out, pictures. The cop found him, wanted to help him because they were worried about him, and he killed himself. Here is a person who was one thing in front of the people and another thing in secret. God help us. God help us from speaking one thing to one group and speaking another thing to another group. That is being two different people. God help us from having these secret addictions in the darkness that will one day come to light. But these secret addictions that all of a sudden come to light. God help us. The duplicity and the hypocrisy that happens in leadership can happen because we don't implement the very truths that we tell other people to believe. He says, this guy shouldn't just know his Bible. This is a person who puts the Bible to practice. This is one that can look at somebody and say to them, you are a sinner and, and Jesus died for your sins and was buried and rose again and I'm telling you to believe in him because I have. And he changed my life. This is someone who is able to handle the, the truths of the scripture, but lives out the truths of the scripture. You say, how do you keep a clear conscience? Well, let me just tell you this. There are people who tell you, let your conscience be your guide. Don't you dare do that. Because if we let our conscience be our guide and we keep going against God's word, our conscience is going to lead us in places we don't want to be. So somebody said this, as we let the word of God shine on our consciences, we'll know the path that we need to take. And how do we keep it clear? When we fail, and we often fail, we keep short accounts with God. And we confess our sins. We are genuine. He says here, this, this, this person, you know, he, he, he's got to hold on to the faith and he's got to do it. He's got to live it out. He can't be that, that, that two different people or, or not have that clear conscience. It's all about having the clear conscience before God, being the same person everywhere we go. You say, what else does he want of these guys? Notice this here. These men must first be what? Tested. Oh, man. All right. I hope everyone has a paper and pen here. I'm going to give you a test. Is that what it says? It says they must be tested. What, what does it mean to be tested? Well, <laughs> some people think that, you know what? Here's how I'm going to test him. I'm going to go sneak and look at his garage and see how many tools he has because I want to make sure he can fix the church, and so I'll test him that way. No, we don't observe his, his garage to see how many tools he has. 
We don't observe his company to see how he's doing with his employees. We don't, we don't observe that. We don't want to know how many employees he has and how he ended up. We're not looking at his bank account. Hey, can you show me a picture of your bank? We're going to see whether or not you're a good deacon if you hand it. No, no. We're looking at what? We're looking at character. Character. We are observing. Listen to what this one guy says. We are observing, does he yearn to serve God's people or does he complain about it? Nothing worse than having a deacon that complains. Is he humble and flexible or does he insist on having his own way? You don't want them in there. We're observing that. Is he eager to learn or is he eager to be heard? You got to do it my way or the highway. You don't want that one in leadership. You know what? Here's what's interesting. In our church, we have this what's called deacon in training kind of a thing. You know how good that is? Not that good. But anyway, we in 2020, we had Rob go through the deacon in training. This was funny. So 2020, we're like, we start meeting with him in, in, in January and February. What happens in March? Remember what happened in 2020? It happened in March? COVID. COVID happened in March. All right, Rob, you're a deacon. All right, next now, we're going to, the, the, the deacon in training got really short. You know, Matt, we, we gave him, what, a month or two months to think about it. We don't want them to change their minds. Deacon in training. All right, Cameron, you know, you're a deacon in training. All right, you're in. Now, Sam? Oh, Sam, we're watching. <laughs> Sam has been a deacon in training. I don't know how long now. What, nine months now he's been a deacon in training? I mean, this guy, we are watching Sam, we are watching Sam like a hawk. You know, I can't find anything bad about him. <laughs> All right, we're watching this guy. We're like, this guy's amazing. I mean, he is unbelievable. He's behind the scenes working on this, working on that. I'm like, this, I throw this at him. He does it, throw that. He, do, he does things that we don't even, you don't even see. But here's the thing. At the end of the day, we're not God. We make bad decisions. People get into leadership, and sometimes when they get into leadership, they change all of a sudden, they were this servant of God. Then they get in the leadership, and now all of a sudden, they turn into Vito Vinny. And you're like, you weren't Vito Vinny before. I wasn't a deacon before. Now I am. Watch me, baby. You're like, where did that guy come from? And so here's what it's saying. It's saying here in verse 10, they must first be tested. There ought to be a time that we're observing this. And I really believe it's faithful in the little things. In the little things. You know, one of the first things that Sam did here. All right. And we could thank you guys for this. Easter Sunday, we blew out the sewer system of this church. And there is Sam right on Easter Sunday, Easter coiled on there downstairs and opening up pipes, sewage coming on him at Sam. I said, you know what? This guy's going to make a good deacon. Because <laughs> if he can touch that, who what else can he touch? You know, this guy, I mean, there he is. Boy, that time we were like, unbelievable. Man, like, wow, wow. Faithful in little things. You see the things that they do. Uh, we've been so blessed. You know, Matthew, I was talking about him in the first service, and I got to be careful talking about him here in the second service because he may beat me up. But, you know, Matt, Matt, Matthew, he, he sees things in the church, like a spot over here and this over here. And even downstairs, the rug had this little line on it and all that. He's working on it. He does the, He sees the detail. He's doing it. Praise God. I said in the first service, hey, Cameron, you coming on and helping Rick with the finances. We are so blessed. He's got a mind of numbers you ask him how his kid's doing, he's throwing numbers at you. 
Now, I wonder how your kid's doing. Don't throw numbers at me. It's been 24 hours since he's had a seizure, and the odds say this and that. Come on with the numbers. Statistics don't lie. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> but the aftermath. <laughs> I know, it's a bad one. Look at this in verse 10. Look at this in verse 10. He's first to be tested. And then we let them have the office of deacon. See that? Let them serve as deacon. If what? They are beyond reproach. If while you're doing this testing, they're not talking between both sides of them. If their finances, they are not greedy. If they're not drinking vodka every night and putting themselves to sleep. There's things we don't see. But there's things that we do see. And by God's grace, when we do see it, we have to take a stand. That is not easy. The first deacon that we ever had in Argentina, a great man of God. I, I loved him. I, I trained him how to preach. Back then, the deacons would preach too. And this guy, he preached Jude. I'll never forget. He went through the Jude. It was beautiful. It was amazing. What a preacher. We would have a Bible study in his home. And he would invite neighbors and everyone to his home. And we would share Christ in his home. I said, this guy's an unbelievable deacon. He would serve. He would clean the church. He would preach. I mean, anything you asked of him, he would do. One day, I show up to his house. And I said, okay, we're going to have the Bible study. He says, Pastor, i got to tell you something. i got a problem. All right, well, we're here to help you. What's your problem? He goes, uh, this house that we're in right now is not our house. What do you mean? Uh, we just took it over. How long ago did you take it over? 14 years ago. We don't pay taxes on it. We robbed it from the, um, the owner. We just moved in here, and now it's our house. Um, deacons should not be fond of sordid gain or thing here. I said, you know what? You're probably not qualified to be a deacon right now. So you need to go before the church and let them know that you're not going to be a deacon. Well, that worked out great, didn't it? He gets before the church and he says this to the church. Uh, church, I got a problem. And I'm going to solve the problem in a couple months, but I got a problem. So pray for me. Oh, and by the way, Jeremy wants me to step down as a deacon. My fault. He robbed the house. I didn't rob the house. The whole church is flabbergasted. What in the world? This is the guy preaching. The guy was amazing. They're all looking at me. I'm saying, Lord, what do I do now? Here's where God is so sovereign and handles situations. Somebody raised their hand and said, oh, uh, sir, what about that Bible study we're having in your house? What are we going to do now? Thank you, Lord. Uh, the problem is the house. He robbed his house. Took over his house. Um, you know what he said he was going to do? He said, I am not going to leave my house. I am going to sue the owner for trying to kick me out of their own house. I said, Are you, how can you do You got four kids. They're going to kick you out. He eventually left the house. He eventually left being a deacon. He eventually left the church. He right now doesn't even believe in God. That is a sad end 
of having a double character. We didn't see, I was blindsided. This was one of my favorite guys. So here's what I say, and here's what Paul says. It's about character. Don't ever forget that. And God help us not to speak one thing to one group and another thing to another group. God help us not to have those secret addictions in the darkness that we are not willing to get help, to confess, to get right with God, because we're here to do that, to help. God, God help us when we become obsessed with money and we, we deny God just to gain for a house. He left God. God help us. God help us when we're talking to other people and, and telling them, you need to do this. You need to read your Bible. You need to pray. You need to do this. But I'm not doing it. But you need to do it. No, no. God help us. The moment we tell somebody else you need to do it, we need to look at our own lives and say, am I doing it? Yes. And God help me if I'm not. God help us to have that clear conscience. And then, I think the best thing is, is God help us to be faithful in the little things. Yes. People walk into church all the time. I hear this. Can I be a leader here? Wait a minute. We don't even know you. Let's see how you do on Easter Sunday. <laughs> I'm not going to tell you what happens to our church on Easter Sunday. <laughs> but we want you to come to the second service, not the first one. And we want you to enjoy some of the things that we have to enjoy behind the scenes. And if you start complaining about it, getting mad about it and all that, that probably isn't for you. But be faithful in the little. And guess what? God gives you more. Yes. He does. And we do it all for God's glory. You know what I love about deacons? You don't even see what they're doing. You don't even know right now what Sam is doing with the building, meeting with construction, meeting with people. He is killing himself doing it. And his wife has cancer. And it hasn't stopped him. We praise God for people like that. Matthew, driving the, the long distance that he is, we need to, they need to find a house closer to us. Matthew doing the stuff that you don't even know what they're doing. Cameron with the numbers. Unbelievable. Praise God. We've been blessed. But guess what? We need more help. So my prayer is that we're faithful in a little and then God will give more. Let's bow in prayer. Father God, we thank you so much for your word. And God, we do ask that you help us. Father, we don't want to speak out of both sides of our mouths. We don't want to have those secret addictions that people don't see. We don't want, Lord, to be obsessed with money and let money rule us and we start cutting corners and doing things that don't please you. God, we don't want, Lord, to tell other people, here's what you need to do and we're not doing it ourselves. Father, help us to understand your word and to live out your word. And when we don't, help us to have short accounts with you. Confess our sins. Be open and honest. Lord, I'm weak. 
I failed you. I was wrong. What I said, I didn't do. I said the same, a different thing to two different groups. God, help us to keep short accounts with you. You're not looking for perfect people to be in leadership. You're just looking for people that have a heart for you and that are willing to admit that they're weak and they need you. So God, let us have a church, right? We are so blessed. Lord, we are so blessed. You have brought us so far with that. I thank you for the people that we have who are serving with the office and the people who are serving without being in the office. We thank you so much for them. Help us to be faithful in the little because, Lord, you promise more. We pray all this in Jesus' precious name and for his glory. Amen. I'm going to sing a couple and then we're going to do communion.